I love being together on Sunday mornings. I ask you to take your Bible. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. When you get to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, you can go to verse 4. If you want to use that pew Bible that we have there in front of you, it's on page 1,343. 1343, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. At the Rasnick house, typically I'm the one who finds the remote, uses the remote. Angela would probably never turn it on if she were there by herself. And um, Micah wouldn't turn it on if he was there by himself. But when I'm there, I usually walk in and I find the remote. And uh, if something, if, I, if there's not something specific that I'm turning on the TV to watch, I always flash through and go to Food Network or Magnolia Network or HGTV. You see, about any time you desire on HGTV, you can find a show where someone is taking a house that needs massive improvement and turning it into a place that you want to live. These types of shows, once you begin watching them, make you sit through to the end, the big reveal. Have you ever got to the point, you, it's time to leave, you can't, I can't leave, they've not had the reveal yet. You know, we all want to see the big reveal. We all want to see something made the way it was intended to be. I recently watched an episode of Fixer Upper, you know, this is the Chip and Joanna Gaines show, and Joanna is the designer of the couple, and she can typically see the potential in a house long before everyone else. And in this particular episode, Chip admitted to thinking that she was not going to be able to pull it off to turn this outdated old house into something modern and nice. But her plan, he had to confess at the end, ended up being perfect. You see, Joanna Gaines, she said, I see a beautiful home inside of every house they find. You just need a plan, faith, and hard work. Did you know that God has a plan for you? I've mentioned to you that this is a uh, graduate recognition Sunday, and we have five graduates here, and I want to say something specifically to you. Did you know that God has a plan for you? But church, I'm not just going to be preaching to five graduates or five graduates and their family because I want to remind you the way I read and see God's Word, God has a plan for you. Whether you are in the balcony or on the floor, whether you've got a graduate or a newborn or whether you've been so past graduation, or if you're online with us or on the phone with us, I want to tell you now that God's Word says that God knows you and has a plan for you. Now, if you're a note taker, you may not even need to write this one down, but uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, many times can be an overused verse, but I, I love it when it's used. In God's word leading up to Jeremiah 29, 11, God's people were not living for him, and he brought them through captivity to a point where they would look again to him, and he told them in those hard days, that I have a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this exactly. For I know the thoughts, some people read plans that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. So again, I turn to our five graduates. God has a plan for you, and it is for your future, and it is good, and it is for hope. And the parents of these graduates go, you better be listening to that. But church, I want to remind you, 
God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. So let's stand together as we read from the book of Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 4 through 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. It said, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Keep your scripture open. Have a seat. We're going to take just a few minutes and walk through and understand what God has for us in and through this scripture. Now, let me give you a really quick summary of what I read in the beginning, some great encouragement that God's word has for us. Verse 4 says that God loves you. Do you know that one of the greatest challenges in the world today is people do not know that they are loved? I'm here to remind and encourage you that wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, wherever you're going, God loves you. Verse 5 says that he desires to make you alive through Jesus Christ, which means that until you come into a personal, life-changing relationship with and through Jesus Christ, you're not alive. You've not yet begun to live. And as I have gotten to know over the years, our graduates, our graduates have professed that they know Jesus as their Savior, which means that you are alive because of Jesus. And if you know Jesus today, you equally are loved, and He has made you alive through Jesus. If you haven't, He loves you and wants to make you alive through Jesus. And verse 6, look at that. It says that God, because he loves you, because he desires to make you alive through Jesus, he wants to exalt you. Did you see that? And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, note in verse 5, there's a parenthetical statement. Parenthetical meaning it's got a parenthesis that sets it off and closes it off. And you're going, Jeff, I knew what that was. I didn't always know that, but... Uh, it says, for by grace you have been saved. Today, we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about, discussing that grace of God. More specifically, we're going to discuss three points as it relates to grace. And so if you're a note taker, I've just promised to give you three notes, three points. And you can write that down. There's space on the back of the call to action if you want to use that or any way you want to, but there'll be three points that we'll talk about. Let me go ahead and just go ahead and give them to you. Not that you'll check out, but that you'll ex wait expectantly for them. God's, God's grace as he works for us. God's grace as he works in us. And God's grace as he works through us. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Some have defined grace as 
God's riches at Christ's expense, using that five-letter acronym. Grace, I'll say it to you a different way, is the one-way goodness of God being given to you. And there is nothing you can do to earn it, nothing you can do to be responsible for even a part of it. And since it is a gift, there's nothing you can do to make it go away. The grace of God wants you come to understand and experience that through Jesus. So before we get started, just a reminder, God loves you. He desires to make you alive, and he desires to exalt you, use you, lift you up. So look at verse 7, a key word right there, that, that because of his love, because of his desires for you, he has an expected result. He has a purpose. You can catch that, right? We've We've broken down a lot. God said, I love you, I, I, I want to make you alive, and I want to exalt you, so that. There's a reason for the love. There's a reason for the making alive. There's the reason for exalting. He has a plan, a purpose in the ages to come. God's purpose and plan was intended for everyone, not just the first century believers, not just for our founding fathers, but for people today, God's plan, God's purpose is for you today. God's plan is timeless. It will be for people that we don't even know yet, who aren't even born yet. And God's plan is timely. So what is God's plan? Well, I believe, as I've mentioned to you, it's a three-step plan, a purposeful before-you-were-born plan. Number one, as I gave you that point, by grace, God worked for you. Look at verse 7. That he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. John 3.16 said that God sent his son. That's an action towards you. God sent his son to be the savior of the world. Romans 5.8 said that God demonstrated, again, a toward you action. His own love and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. God, through his love, because of his grace, provided a way for man to be redeemed through Jesus Christ, to have sins forgiven, to be brought back into a right relationship with God, and to be a child of God. You see, God created the plan of salvation. Now, I want to read Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. It says this, after these things I looked, this is John talking about the vision that he sees. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lord, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Salvation through Jesus was God working on your behalf. God working for you. Salvation is about God being glorified and about his grace being provided to us. Not only did grace work for you, but by grace, God worked in you. That would be point number two. 
Now, let me reread in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, verses that we know well, but sometimes we need to stop and hear again. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know what I take from that? All that has been done has been done by God. All that will ever need to be done has already been done by God. Scripture would teach in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that we have no part in our salvation but to believe. It says, it says, not that of yourselves. You know, there are many who believe that God's part of salvation was the giving of his son and that our part of salvation is the believing of this and that salvation is a coming together of the purposes of God and the choice of man to come together. And that sounds nice. It's just not accurate according to Scripture. So let me share with you some Scripture because Scripture says, not of yourselves. You don't have anything to bring to the salvation equation. Not only have we been given God's grace, God has actually given us, and I'm going to share the Scriptures with you, the faith to be able to believe in this grace. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Did you notice in there? The faith Peter said he had, he was given through the righteousness of God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. You've been granted the ability to have faith. Acts chapter 3, verse 16 says, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. God has worked for you by the giving of his Son, and our response to salvation is faith, but even that faith that we respond to God with has been granted to us by God. Not of works. Our salvation is all by God's grace. Our response to salvation is faith, but even that faith is a gift from God. When we accept the finished work of Christ on our behalf, we act by faith supplied by God to experience His grace. God's grace worked for you. God's grace is working in you. And lastly, point three, God works through you. Look at verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship. Now, I want to stop and sit here for just a minute. Workmanship. In the Greek, workmanship, the word is poema. That's where we get the word poetry or poem. And so we are called God's workmanship or God's poem or poetry. This should help you see whether you're a graduate that we're recognizing today, family, somebody who knows the Lord, somebody who doesn't, somebody who's struggling. 
You are a unique, one-of-a-kind, handmade, purposeful creation of God. God has chosen to create you, and you are God's poetry. You are an expression of Him. You are His, as verse 10 said, His workmanship. Psalm 139 backs this up and says that in summary, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Verse 10 says that we are created as His workmanship for good works. Now, works do not help us gain salvation because we've already talked about that we are saved by grace. But works have a great deal to us living out our salvation. You know, Scripture would be pretty clear if we did a hard Bible study about it that while works don't save a person, works are the proof that a person is saved through a life that has been changed by Christ. John chapter 15, verse 8 says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And it's interesting. Look at verse 10 again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Just as you've been given everything necessary for salvation, You've been given everything necessary for faithfully living a life that is saved by Jesus. By God's grace, God desires to work through you. Let me give you some examples in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 17 that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Zealous means you desire to do these good works. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You are purposefully made, handcrafted by God, given a direction. Now, I've talked with a number of graduates, some in this room and others around town. What's next? What's next? What's next? You know, that's a question that you guys have probably received more times than you care to answer. And the reality is, is some people I've talked to and they go, I don't know. That's an okay answer. As long as, you want, as long as you know and trust the one who has the plans for you. And knowing your plan, I talked to somebody last night, and they knew exactly step by step where they were going to be, and they had it all figured out. And I go, man, that's cool and that's exciting. Just don't lose track of the one who has the plan for you. So God can find you whether you think you know or not. Both are equally okay. Both are, can be equally dangerous if we lose track. Now, every year about this time, I bring up one statistic. That statistic is that over 80% of Bible attend, I mean, church attending, Bible believing, saved high school graduates, over 80% of them will fall away from the church in the next few years. 
Now, I'm not real, real good at math, but there's five grads we're talking about in this room, and if statistics hit our, peop, hit our grads, four of you are going to struggle. One of you might make it. Now, I don't look at it that way. You're going, Jeff, that's pretty depressing. The reality is, is that you have the advantage. You already know Jesus. Hopefully, you trust Jesus. Hopefully, you know he has a purpose and a plan for you that is good. Hopefully, you will seek him and do all those things so that you can fulfill those good works that he has planned for you before you could even come up with them. But church, before we make this about them, because it'd be too easy just to make it about them, how many of us are underliving the plan that God has for us? You don't have to any more. Let me read Ephesians 20, Ephesians 2, verses 20 and 21. So if you've got your scripture open, you don't have to do anything except just look down. 20 and 21. Make sure I'm saying the right thing here. Yes. It says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God has a plan for you, and that plan will build you to be everything that God desires for you to be, whether you're a graduate, graduate-to-be one day, newly in marriage, been married a long time, single, married, Older, new in the faith, old in the faith. God has a plan. So church, let me, let me see if I can engage you for just a second. I'm going to talk to the graduates. God has a plan for you that will far exceed any plan that you can come up with for yourself. Church, what do you say to that? Amen. Amen. Isn't that encouraging for a bunch of old people that have already graduated to tell you, that God has a plan for you. I hope that's encouraging. It probably wasn't encouraging to me when I was 18 either. But church, let me encourage you, and I might need five people's help over here. I'm not going to ask you to say anything out loud except together. We're talking to the five grads' parents, okay? But five grads, let me tell the church something, and I'll see what you say to that. Church, God's plans for you are far greater than any plan you can ever come up with for yourself. And grads, we would say to the church, what? Amen. Amen. Okay, we got one. Cade, thank you so much. Cade says, I'm going to be the one that makes it. God has a plan for us. Amen. Regardless of where you find yourself, God has a plan for you. If you will just yield your way to him. For by his grace, God worked for you by sending his son Jesus to be the savior of the world. By his grace, God desires to work in you to give you the faith to accept Jesus as your personal savior. And by his grace, God desires to work through you to accomplish his goodwill. 
God always, always, always has a plan. Amen? Amen. Church, it's good that we agree that God has a plan. But what I have to hope is that the truth of God's Word and the movement of God's Spirit is working inside of your heart to allow you to go, not only does God have a plan, I want to be in that plan. I want to yield my life to God. Whether you be a grad to be soon, a grad of days past, a grad not yet here, God has a plan for you. And today you get a chance to either publicly or privately realign yourself with God's plan for you. Aren't you glad that God's plan is all about Him, just requires us to say yes to Him? Amen?